Full Contact Cannabis. Howdy folks, this is Harold Jarbo, aka The Old Hemp Farmer, and I'm sitting here with Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media and a very old and dear friend, my dear sweet wife, The Old Hemp Farmer's Wife. Good morning, Tanya. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Your first uh, uh, podcast, full contact podcast, actually has gotten some numbers, which tells me people are kind of interested in this. I'd kind of like to start this out a little bit. First of all, me and you getting together. How soon after me and you started being a couple did you realize that I was infatuated with cannabis? Oh, not very long afterwards. And how did you feel at about it at the time? Well, at the time, of course, it wasn't something that was widely accepted. And of course, coming up through uh, uh, the, the 70s and uh, cannabis had a, uh, had a stigma to it, of course. So, of course, growing up through that, it, it, it stays with you. So, but uh, nevertheless, it was something that um, I became quite comfortable with. Well, in the earlier days, we... Uh... It was still highly illegal. And what we were doing was totally black market. It wasn't even gray area. When did you know that I was serious other than about just wanting to, to get high or that the recreational aspects? Well, you, you had an intense knowledge of the of the plant and uh, you were um, a pre-pharmacy student. Uh, and so, well, uh, you had been studying uh, the plant for decades. So uh, having all that knowledge was, uh, was something that was, was respected and valued. So your first experience was in, with cannabis was when? Oh, I was a teenager. Well, tell us the story. After uh, high school, well, no, actually, start, it was like, I think, I think on a Tuesdays, uh, after getting out of, the high, out of leaving high school, uh, some of my friends and I would just kind of drive through the countryside. They would get high and I wouldn't. So one day, a friend of mine, one of the girls said, hey, Tanya, you know, you want to try this? So I, I was 17 years old at that time. I said, okay, all right. But I was also given the warning, Tanya, be careful. This is good. This is strong stuff. I think it may have been Colombian gold or something of that uh, uh, species, but you know anyway, that date you, right? Right. So, <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, that first experience was also my last experience as far as quote unquote getting high. So it, it wasn't for me, but it, uh, uh, over the decades, I learned to, uh, uh, have great respect for the prop for the cannabis plant, uh, because it's not one dimensional, that's for sure. So the first time you tried it, it didn't really it got you anxious and you had no desire to do it again. We'll flash forward about, oh my goodness, a bunch of years, um, 15, 16 years, and you meet me and I start, you know, introducing you to the world of cannabis other than just, like I said, getting high. What did you feel like the first time we either went to Vancouver or Amsterdam? It's basically because of cannabis. When we would go there, of course, uh, in Amsterdam, uh, I noticed that they had a different mindset. Uh, you go into the coffee shops. Uh, it was kind of like a, a family environment. 
uh, I remember you would go in and, and look at the varieties there at the um, uh, counter. And I, of course, had no interest in it. And so, well, I would just get look at the menu, get something good to eat. But I, I did notice that uh, in Amsterdam at that time, uh, which was in the latter 90s, uh, it was the, the coffee shops were like a family restaurant and um, nothing uh, stigmatized about it actually and so with that seeing that kind of helped me to have different feelings about it too of course so how much were you actually aware of the people I was meeting there and kind of what I was doing while you were munching out on your snacks well, I know you. I knew you were contacting people who were already in the business, and of course, they were knowledgeable of the cannabis plant, and and it was their business. So, uh, however, I didn't know where it was all leading to, but nevertheless, you are a man of purpose. So, um, <laughs> that kind of helped uh, set the stage too. So uh, I feel I feel like the purpose of the. Uh... Harold Jarbos to dominate this uh, podcast with it being more about him than you, LT. <laughs> Whoa, you nailed it, brother. Well, Steph, you got anywhere you want to lead this dear sweet podcast? Yeah, I, th I think I think it's I think it's going well. I mean, I was just kidding. the The background is good to know. I didn't know that, you know, even on your trips to Amsterdam back in the day that you guys were, uh, or at least you, Harold, you were you're actually doing R&D. My trips to Amsterdam have purely been uh, recreational, as we say. So, but I think that gets us a good background to get up to where LT has created her uh, own business, aside from Tennessee Homegrown, but in correlation with it. And I'll say, take it from there. Well, like I said, you know, during late 90s, early 200s, uh, me and me and you were going there and then kind of some things changed legally and we kind of shut things down and the trip stopped going. And then we'll fast forward to, and, and basically just kind of limping along, trying to learn what we could up until 2012, when all of a sudden there was recreational. What were your thoughts about, you know, like I said, actually doing this for a vocation at the time? Well, at that time, I really had no real aspiration. Uh, however, I, I didn't know where it was all leading to. Uh, but I was becoming, at that time, I was becoming more comfortable with the plant and, and understanding the medicinal properties of it and just the whole benefits as the plant as a whole, aside from anything stigmatizing about it. <laughs> when, the first time we went up to Washington State... <laughs> What was your initial thoughts about some of the people we met? Well, <clears throat> they were um, they were farmers, of course, and uh, I didn't know them, so I didn't know them. But I knew that they were farmers, and, and and they were, of course, in the business to make money. But I had no idea that someday I would be making topicals. Uh, from plants would be that we would be growing here in, in Middle Tennessee. So it's 2014, 2015, and all of a sudden Tennessee legalizes high CBD cannabis. Yes. You coming from a, a background, one of the things we didn't go into was your background as a person. 
talk to me about your grandfather and the kind of the family especially on your mom's side what kind of what kind of agrarian background you had yes my grandfather uh uh, was a sharecropper for many, many years growing tobacco. And however, uh, <clears throat> latter years in life for him, he pulled together his own resources and bought his own farm and can, where he and his family continued to grow tobacco. Uh, that is uh, my mother's uh, family background. They were tobacco farmers. Like I said, when we decided to start growing hemp, did you see any of the correlations? Well, um, I grew up in a, a rural area here in Tennessee myself. Dad had gardens. We played around in it as children, but nevertheless, um, I didn't really have any background of, of gardening and farming of any knowledge. Uh, however, uh, when it all hit, uh, the laws changed here in Tennessee, um, you jumped right on it. And because uh, over the years, you were being paused to do what you wanted to do. Uh, but, so um, I just followed suit with that and, and took advantage of the opportunities uh, that availed me. Well, talk about, though, the first years where you actually, the, the reason I brought up your background, the fact that, at, like I said, up until just you know a few years ago, your, aunt, your uncles were still growing tobacco. And here, all of a sudden, kind of in a way the tradition of farming kind of got continued but year one all of a sudden you started growing and harvesting hemp in 2015 talk to me about going out and 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 doing that for the first time well it was quite interesting because you and i had this almost um, a little less than an acre we had the field to ourselves and every saturday morning we would go out and and plant and and cut weeds and 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 put fish fish emulsion down. It was and cut extreme. Weeds. Yes. And cut weeds. Oh, hey, and cut weeds. Funny. <laughs> and cut I'm weeds. sorry. Yes, you're right. <laughs> this was like pigweed, you know. And uh, it is. It was hard work. It was very very hard work. So, but nevertheless. Uh, we're, again, we, again, we were being posed for the bigger picture. Well, but did you give you an appreciation of what your grandfather and your aunts and uncles did? Oh, absolutely. A new level of respect for farmers. It's, it's, it is hard work, but it's also at the same time therapeutic because you are, you're digging in the soil and you're out there with the plants that another live species. So just as you, <laughs> but you, um, uh, I gain an appreciation for, for Mother Earth and, and all that abounds with it. Talk to me about those first couple of years, your expectations, or did you have any? Well, I had some simply because uh, you told me, hey, this crop is going to be such and such uh, amount. This is going to bring in such and such amount. So I, I nevertheless, I never questioned. However, I just kept toiling on, you know, and and just kept at it, really, to be honest with you. To this day, you swear you don't know that I pretty well spent most of my retirement fund funding this. True. Honestly, I, di I didn't know. True. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, you had you were a man of a plan <laughs> well, and, yeah. and and we just uh, kept going with it. I didn't know where it was going, where it was leading to, but. Um, okay, but why were you hanging in for, since the first couple of years were just absolutely horrible? 
I believed in your plan. At what point uh, you, did you start believing in the plant? In the plant itself? Well, yes. CBD came to the forefront of, uh, of the American home. And uh, of course that piqued my interest. And I'll start looking at the, the medicinal properties uh, that it has to offer. Uh, it fights inflammation. Uh, people were using it um, just for a whole host of uh, ailments. And, and that's when I understood, hey, this plant is multifaceted. Uh, the, um, the fiber is some of the most endurable fiber on planet Earth. So uh, I would, I, it was just a love for the plant and an appreciation for it. So uh, when did you all sudden decide that you wanted to start making topicals? And also, why did you think you could do it? Hey, you know, we were, I have an infatuation for, for, for total body care. And of course, the skin uh, is the largest organ and you want to protect it and nourish it. So I, I've always had a penchant for a skin care. So that's when I thought, okay, let's try this. We can do this. So uh, that's when um, I made my first product, uh, which became uh, the, and still is, uh, the Old Hemp Farmer's Wife Lip and Body Balm. Okay. What was, but okay. You're starting from scratch because no one else around here is doing this. Right. What was your inspiration? I mean, I mean, was there an epiphany or are you just, okay, I got this material. I'm just going to start playing with it. Well, I did some research, uh, of course, and uh, just started playing around with it. And um, I looked at uh, uh, what oil, medicinal oils, essential oils, that is. So I came up with um, lavender and frankincense. Uh, of course, those are very popular and offer medicinal properties as well uh, for, for pain and muscle joint and just skin itself. Uh, frankincense is a wonderful uh, uh, essential oil. So that's, that was, it's frank, lavender and frankincense is what I, was my first topical uh, standard. Did you have any idea how well it was going to turn out? Because quite frankly, your first product was a really, really good product. And it still is still got a following on it. No, I didn't realize it until uh, actually I had two people. One lady uh, purchased it. Uh, she was a store owner in the Gulch. And so she bought some of our hemp products and she told me one day, hey, this stuff works really, really well. She was, gave me that feedback and someone uh, at the, the gym where I work out said, hey, this stuff has really helped my knees. Those two feedbacks were affirmations. Hey, Tanya, keep doing what you're doing. This is good stuff. So after the lavender frankincense, I started offering uh, other uh, essential oil scented uh, bombs such as uh, peppermint and lavender and just some others that were sold really well but the lavender and frankincense that is the the best seller so what pushed you now how many products you have now uh let's see i have um soap i have i think about five or six different products i have now so what pushed you into making these other things i mean you had basically like a hit product so why did you start making these other things? Well, simply because 
getting knowledge from other people as to what they were doing. So I have the mindset, hey, I can do this too. So that's um, what I want to talk about. Yes. <laughs> this sort of thing where, uh, and I've seen this a couple of times where you get in your head with, and you kind of visualize the product before you ever start doing it. Yes. And so what it like, okay, because my favorite thing that you did was the soap. Okay. You never made soap from scratch, right? Right, right. And you pretty well go out from the first batch and nail it. Yes. <laughs> so how much of that is luck or intuitive or skill or what? Hey, I think it's a little bit of all three, actually. So is it how much how important is that? I mean, like that creative process of like, you know, like right now for a batch of soap, because you have what is it called a beef tallow soap, right? Yes, yes. You're rendering your own beef tallow from a free range grass fed cattle. So what what spurs that? I mean, this continuation of trying to, to do more. I mean, is there a point where you'll be content? Yes and no. Uh, my goal, of course, is always to uh, produce uh, a high quality product, uh, a product of integrity, something that I can appreciate myself because it's just not something I don't want. I'm not going to offer it to you. So that's that's my uh, uh, motive of ethic. You know, uh, if it's not something I don't want and appreciate, I'm not going to offer it out. It's not going to go out the door. All right. For the first, what, five years that you were making products, right? Yes. You were strictly doing basically high CBD, full spectrum stuff. And then in 2020, you decided to go into THC and start doing the TH top, TH, D8, THC topicals. Say that five times in a row. Uh, what led you to make the jump from basically doing CBD to start doing THC products? Uh, funny that you asked. Uh, it was during a conversation. Um, a friend said, hey, Tanya, why don't you make a DA topical? And of course, that I said, okay. So, hey, got in the got back and, and start uh, putting this thing together. So to see what would come out. And what came out was something that people really, really love. It's called the um, D8, the old hemp farmer's wife, D8 muscle rub. And uh, some people, of course, we're all different. However, the, some of the feedback I have heard, hey, it works almost instantly. In fact, just this week, um, a friend of mine uh, bought some and her husband went on to work. He had put it on and went on to work and said, hey, this stuff is really good. I've never felt this. I've never felt this way. It's almost instant. So those are, that's the feedback I'm getting from the, um, the D8 muscle rub. Well, this is also the first of uh, most of the products you, you get the hemp we grow, and then you, you start from there to make your products. This is the D8 uh, topical has been your first collaboration with Lee Crabtree. Talk to me a little bit about that collaborative with somebody who's in the laboratory making stuff, especially one of the newer things that you, you use that seems to be kind of unique is the cannabis-derived azulene. 
Yes, um, Leaf Crabtree is, of course, uh, a, a gifted and um, a trusted uh, artisan when it comes into uh, uh, processing cannabis. And so, well, he's the source and I get it from him and uh, he produces the raw material for me. Um, and, and I'm very well pleased uh, uh, to have him in my life to uh, to supply the the, um, the materials, the ingredients that I need to go into my products. Is that what somewhat new you have to be collaborative? For because up until this point, fairly well, you've done what you wanted to, how you wanted to on all your products. Is it different having to to like I said, actually collaborate and talk to someone and say, look, you know. This is a product like this is a product I need. Well, yes. Uh, however, again, um, I trust uh, Lee to um, produce raw materials uh, for my products, and uh, because I I know he is a man of integrity, and that uh, the end result is is what he says it is. And so, even though you you go and get things tested at a lab. Uh, Lee Crabtree, of course, I, I trust his integrity when it comes to the raw material. Let's talk about a little bit about being in the marketplace. Um, you have, you know, basically you own your own company, which is the old hemp farmer's wife, yet you're very collaborative with Tennessee Homegrown. How has that been as far as marketing and then also as far as the finances? How's that been and how you, how, where is it going and and what would you suggest to other people that are basically doing the same thing? Well, you know, one of my favorite sayings is that no man is on is an island. Uh, we have to uh, depend on those around us for help. Uh, I would the advice I would give for anyone who's going into the business: focus on producing a good product. By producing a good product. And, and getting out there in front of uh, people, making it visible and joining forces with those with like-minded people. Of course, uh, I've been with Tennessee Homegrown since the inception from day one. So of course, it, um, we work very well in unison uh, to, to, to stay in the business and work alongside. And of course, when I'm selling my product, the Old Hemp Farmer's Rife product, I'm not ashamed to say, hey, this is Tennessee homegrown too. So uh, I really kind of represent both, both companies. So has it always been just roses and wine? Oh, absolutely not. Nothing is, uh, of course, uh, one-dimensional. So, so what I'm saying this is, is there any suggestion to some other people when it comes to work, one company work into another. It, it is important to for, for people to come to the table and uh, have something to offer and, and, and keep the end result in mind. You're working toward the same goal. This is what we, this is what we want. So you all, you want to be with the people who are like mine, who, who think the same way you do, who have the same worth worth ethics. So, uh, again, that's a win-win. You're, you're working for the whole. You got into to high CBD topicals and cannabis um, pretty well from the start. How has it, how the ride has been rocky? I mean, it went from no money 
to by golly, we're selling more than we can produce. And then in 20, 2020, basically the uh, it plunged. I mean, between COVID and over, overproduction, talk to me about that. I mean, how does it feel to be on a roller coaster? You, 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 you persevere uh, through any storm and trial. You, you keep pushing forward. If you focus on having a good product and you sell it, a good product has staying power. Bad products don't. In fact, um, uh, I have a, a, a customer who, who I send the product, my, the Lip and Body Bomb, to a Canadian customer. Uh, they were here in Nashville a couple of years ago and, and brought some of the bomb from a, a street vendor. And they go back and they contact me. And the last order, uh, I sent 12 two-ounce jars of it. Um, uh, the gentleman told me, he said, you know, we have tried others. Yours is the only one that works. Again, good products have staying power. Bad products don't. But is that good enough in this today's market? Well, I do realize the saturation and you do all that you can, of course, to make it visible. So, all right. Speaking of that, what are your challenges when it comes to marketing? Are, let's put it this way. Are you selling as much product as you want? No, I'm not selling as much product as I want, but I'm, I am selling enough uh, for it to, to feed itself. So it is self-sufficient right now. So what are you doing marketing-wise more than anything to, to kind of get more of an upward trend on your sales? Oh, uh, you have a lot of competition out there now. You can do pop-ups, do internet marketing. Uh, Facebook has some benefits, of course. So um, again, the, the market is so saturated with a lot, a lot of things and challenges, but you, kept, you keep pushing forward with it. And, and word of mouth, that's one of the best uh, marketing tools, of course, recommendation from someone that that's, has tried it. So they tell their friends. And, the, and so it's, it's a chain reaction too. So how important do you think you are, your image, your story is to your marketing? Well, people, of course, they want to know the source, what you're selling. But that's not your story. No, it isn't my story. So like I said, in fact, okay, okay, I would love for you to go into how you got to be the old hemp farmer's wife and why. Okay, uh, initially, uh, the laws had not uh, changed drastically. In fact, um, you and I were out there, we were forerunners of the uh, cannabis hemp industry, and laws had not really comply with it and you still had a lot of stigma attached to it so of course you were very visible and uh, I was afraid for my job at that time and so well you just kind of conspicuously say hey this is an old hemp farmer's wife and you would show pictures of me in the um, fields but my face was never shown so over time uh, I, I came out of the closet and say this is who I am and um, this is what I believe, and this is what I know. As the laws changed, uh, people became more relaxed. The, the stigmatic 
cloth was removed from it. So uh, I came out full-fledged and offered my product. People love it. I get re high reviews with it, and, and that pleases me. Were you so, surprised when you came out of the cannabis closet, the reaction you got from friends and family? Well, yes, um, simply because um, they know me. Uh, they know who I am. They know my principles, my worth ethics. I mean, it was just wi widely accepted, when they, especially when they found out how good my products are. Now that you've come out of the closet and other people now are coming out of the closet, are you surprised with how many of your friends and family and, and people in your age group are cannabis users? Well, I kind of had a full knowledge, but I didn't know as far as worldwide. When you look at the, the benefits of the product, it is phenomenal. It is a phenomenal plant. Kind of shocked, I guess, uh, at the number of people, but nevertheless, I can see why. You basically, you know, basically in 13, 14, I decided to go pro, which I guess took you with it. Are you surprised how far it's come and how quickly it's come? The, I mean, legal cannabis, the whole industry as a whole, how quickly it has changed. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, again, you were, I and I were out there. We were forerunners. Uh, there were people, uh, family and friends, I guess, who were like, oh, I don't know about those two. But anyway, uh, we just kept we just kept pushing for it. And the momentum, we just came bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, kapow. And then all of a sudden, it's uh, CBD uh, becomes a, a household word. That's how quickly things can change and your mindset can change. How about as far as the legal framework? I mean, literally, when we first forayed, there wasn't any states that have it. Now we have 18 and basically over 50% of the population now has recreational. Where do you think all this is going? It has changed so rapidly. Of course, people kind of have, if you look at the laws and how they were uh, early established, uh, the marijuana, the laws regarding the marijuana plant, when you're fed uh, something that's one dimensional, eventually the truth is going to come out about the, um, anything, whether it's cannabis or anything else. But anyway, I'm happy to see it. Uh, the laws change. Uh, we have, um, again, we were forerunners. And uh, we kept pushing against the, the powers to be or the force. But nevertheless, we were doing it uh, in the sake of, hey, there's nothing wrong with this product. There's nothing wrong with this plant. Okay. And you, it has a lot of benefits to it. Yeah. Well, you're going to get a little pushback on there. Aren't there some people that can abuse um, cannabis? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sorry for anyone who abuses anything for that matter. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the cannabis plant itself. So where do you, I mean, where do you see this going? Not only your products, your topicals, but how mainstream do you think cannabis will be? It's mainstream now, but as far as legalities, I think Big Farmer is going to come in and and dominate as far as the, the market for pharmaceutical purposes. And of course, so they know it works. 
we know it works. So it's, it's of course it's it's already here, but nevertheless the the laws are going to go in the direction of a big pharma, and and it's going to be in their hands, and they're going to be administrating it. So. How does the old hemp farmer's wife survive in that atmosphere? I don't know. Uh, I really, really don't know. You know, there's always a black market for anything. <laughs> so, of course, black market topicals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. But anyway, well, we know it works. Right. The whole point, though, is who's going to make the money and uh, is a small little boutique company that spends an inorbitant amount of time and money to make a really high-end product is there a place for that in a pharmaceutical glaxo eli lily world very little very little of course um you probably be uh supplying family and friends but big pharma uh of course their their goal is to make big money i want to make money too but nevertheless, um, I want to have it. I want to make it with integrity, as well. Are you making? Let's say they have. Everybody's been waiting for the other shoe of the FDA to drop when they actually come in here and actually tr start trying to uh, make rules and regulations. Are you ready for that? Well, you always have to be poised for for change. Change is the only thing that is constant. We'll just have to see what waits down the road uh, as far as, you know, the regulations that are that I think will be coming. I don't know, but I just have this feeling that things will, of course, evolve as you as a company owner, uh, you'd be willing to make uh, those adjustments and spend the money to become FDA compliant. We'll see, you know, if it's cost effective to, to do that. I'm doing well with without those regulations applied, but who knows uh, what's coming down the pike? Uh, just depends on the the money that 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 for get those certifications. All right, but you, don't you think though, if uh, if the FDA does pass that this becomes a a suitable food additive, becomes topical, you know, mass market ability. Don't you think topicals and, and the products that you're making LT would benefit from regulation like that? Or do you think not? Well, it would uh, because uh, there are so many products out there on the market that are um, have inferior ingredients. And, and what I focus on is having uh, uh, I'm putting the very best ingredients together to make one product. That's my goal. Um, again, there are a lot of products out there on the market. They say they do this. They say they have this in it, and they don't. So there would be some benefits of the re those regulations, of course. It, when, or if that uh, recreational becomes the law of the land in Tennessee, how much would you move into rec? Well, it depends on, you know, what, what is offered. The topicals, they'll always have a place. I'll just have to, again, just wait and see uh, how those laws change and what regulations are coming down. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see.
Are you looking forward to being able to work with full-fledged D9-THC to make topicals? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's the THC that is the, the engine, uh, a full-spectrum extraction. Uh, it is the engine, it's the driving force for the healing properties that it offers, whether, it's, whether you use it in a tincture or a topical. How much more effective do you think the addition, uh, like, like in the D8, your D8 muscle rub, which has not o- only a bunch of D8 and also has a fair amount of D9 in it. Do you think that's a definitive step up from your CBD dominated products? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, THC is the engine for the healing properties. Um, it's working in unison with all the other cannabinoids to be effective. Do you think the present law uh, legal framework or legal situation has inhibited your ability to, to develop products? No, not really. Not really, because we are working within the framework of the legal parameters to produce a highly effective product. Like I said, if you had the chance to not have any constraints on, do you think that you'd have newer and better products? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. That hasn't come up yet. Uh, I'm very content uh, with what I'm working within the framework, legal framework. Uh, however, if the opportunity affords, then I'll, I'll see exactly what I can do with that. So uh, I'm always willing to, to try something uh, bigger and better um, if that's um, something I'm presented with. Well, I mean, you're sold in several states and a another country and that so have you ever thought about setting up shop in a recreational state i've never thought about it It, of course it's something if the opportunity came up then i would definitely um uh entertain that if the cannabis fairy came down and gave you all the things you wanted for a company what would that company look like oh it would be a, a a small boutique like store with my soaps, the balms, hair care, and um, just other things that, that nature uh, has to offer uh, that, that I embrace. And, and I just, I just want to offer up what I think is good and beneficial for everyone else. Bonjour, Step. LT, um, have you seen much competition or other manufacturers in D8 uh, topicals yet? Absolutely not. For some strange reason, a lot of people haven't even heard of a, a D8 topical. Yeah, and then, and then I'm sure it's inevitable that it will pop up. And what do you think, first off, differ, would differentiate your product from most others? And how do you anticipate competition reacting to what you're offering? Well, you, you, constantly, you constantly have to look over your shoulder to see who's creeping up. Uh, uh, my, my product, of course, is the first, to my knowledge, out there locally. And uh, you just want to stay on top of being true to yourself. Continue to put the very best ingredients in your products. I'm comfortable where my, where my product is now. Of course, I'm comfortable with that. 
and because I get great feedback, but uh, you always have to be on the lookout, of course, for competition. Uh, again, good products have staying power. Yep. <laughs> you, you hope. <laughs> if it was that simple, I think there'd probably be more marketing, I think probably has something to do with it too. Anyway, thank you, Latanya. I really do appreciate you coming back on here, especially filling in some gaps. I know there's a lot of people who are interested about you and your story. Uh, how can people find you and your products? Oh, just uh, my website, theoldhempfarmerswife.com. Go there. And also uh, my, my products are on tin, uh, tnhomegrown.com. So go check it out and uh, see what you can find. And you, I think you'll be happy with your purchase. Are you on Instagram as well? Yes, I am on Instagram. Are you on Facebook? Yes, I'm on Facebook. So people can find you at the old hemp farmer's wife on Facebook. And are you on Instagram as the Latanya Bell or the old hemp farmer's wife, the old hemp farmer's wife. So uh, you can get me anywhere. Just a Google. <laughs> hey, I'm out there. Uh, I'm the only old hemp farmer's wife. Uh, you'll see my face. So just give me a, give me a shout. This has been wonderful. This has been another once again, I seem to have wasted about 45 minutes, 50 minutes of your time listening to Full Contact Cannabis. But this time, I think we had somebody on interesting. Uh, as always, this is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer, speaking with Mark Stepp, my wonderful co-host, and also the founder, owner of Uppercut Media, also the co-host and post-producer Uppercut, Mark Stepp. And this wonderful episode is sponsored by Tennessee Homegrown. And as always, keep one eye on the market and the other eye on the weather. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Had a good time. Thank right. you. Goodbye. Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee Homegrown and Uppercut Media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Full Contact Cannabis is created by Jarbo, the old hemp farmer. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com. Thank you.